Welcome to episode 12 of the 55 podcast. Episode 12, one, two, as in, this is usually a one-two punch, but Andrew is out on some Lepcon business this week. So this week, I'll be talking sports psychology because I'm in the driver's seat. My name is Kenneth, and today I have a special guest. Hello, my name's Sam. And what do you do, Sam? I am the mental performance and personal development coach at Spurs FC, a local nonprofit youth soccer club here in the Bay Area. All right, so I've asked Sam to be the guest for this episode because she has already completed her degree in and gotten her MA in sports psychology. And I think it's important to have someone who's already working in the field. Because as I mentioned, I'm still a student. And being a student, I also wanted to make a distinction before we start discussion. There's a distinction between sports psychology and psychology because psychology is a protected term. You have to have a certain education. You have to have the hours of clinical practice and you have to be licensed by the state in which you want to work. And for sports psychology, the term sport is not so protected. I mean, ultimately, I want to be a clinical sports psychologist, so in addition to those things, you also have to have a significant amount of experience in sport. Now, what that means, it varies. There isn't as much regulation on that. Now, for for ASP, or the Association for Applied Sports Psychology, they're working on a distinction, but as of right now, that's not as set yet. But Sam, what? why did you go into sports psychology? Well, before we get into that, Kenneth, I just wanted to add to um, the terminology distinction. Of course. Um, so I have my master's in sports psychology, and previously I mentioned my title as a mental performance personal development coach so there's no um, sport there is no performance or no sport there's no psychology in my title and that's because mm-hmm. um, just like you said psychology is a protected term and you don't want to misrepresent yourself and if there are people out there using um, psychologist or psychology in their title when they don't have the credentials that is pretty bad um, so until I get my doctorate, um, I'm not able to call myself a psychologist or use psychology in my title, just like you referred to. But hopefully one day when I do get my doctorate, I will become a sports psychologist. Um, and from, just like you mentioned, from what I've learned as well, um, sports psychologist or performance psychologist, like you said, doesn't the uh, measurement of how much training you have in sport uh, isn't as um, defined as specific hours when you're working with um, clients or the population that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also want to emphasize that uh, mental performance coaches um, can also work in other realms right. than sport, right? So. Uh, any type of realm that requires some type of performance or having to perform at a high level under a lot of stress or pressure. So some other areas that mental performance coaches and sports psychologists uh, are working in are uh, video gaming, believe it or not. That is a huge area that's kind of like popping off right now. Um, The business world, so Mm -hmm. like high-powered CEOs, 
um, in corporations, um, emergency rooms and surgeons and uh, you name it. I mean, at the end of the day, if you think about it, we're all performing at something. Um, we're all having to do something under pressure or, ha or under you know some type of stress. So no matter what you're doing, you're using mental skills. And so if you're looking to work on certain areas, then a mental performance coach or a sports psychologist or a performance psychologist can definitely help you out with all those. And to add on, onto your list, I mean, I've had a teacher who works with chess players yeah. and something that's near and dear to your heart, music. Yes, absolutely. And astronauts. I forgot to add astronauts. <laughs> In as well. Are astronauts as close to your heart as musicians? Well, no, 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 no. But <laughs> since we're just, you know, listing things off, you know, yeah. astronauts get um, uh, forgotten a lot of the time. But if you think about it, they're probably under <laughs> the most stress ever. Like when I first started in this program, I think I watched, which movie was it? Uh, Gravity with Sandra Bullock oh, and George Clooney. Okay. And I was watching them like, holy smokes, like... They need, they need a sports psychologist, mental skills. And I'm like, oh, yeah, wait a second. I think there was a um, faculty at the school that I was at for sports psychology that actually moved on and went to go work with NASA. So obviously, like, you know, putting two and two together, it clicked. It was like, oh, my gosh, astronauts. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, basically, you right now, you're listening. You're a performer, too, in some way. So believe it or not. Uh, and before I get back to the questions. I just wanted to throw out a definition from the Association for Applied Sports Psychology in terms of what applied sports psychology is, just so I can give some context as to what we're talking about. And so I quote, applied sport and exercise psychology involves extending theory and research into the field to educate coaches, athletes, parents, exercisers, fitness professionals, and athletic trainers about the psychological aspects of their sport or activity. A primary goal of professionals in applied sport and exercise psychology is to facilitate optimal involvement, performance, and enjoyment in sport and exercise. And so, Sam, you're, you're the one with the degree. Can you uh, explain that to me like I'm five? Oh my goodness. Well, I mean, I mean that about covers it. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was pretty good. Well done, Ask. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, like I said, um, whether you're working in uh, high stress or high pressure conditions, or if you're just, you know, going through life, there's going to be things that you're going to have to do and perform at and whether that's under stress or you uh, under pressure or you create those situations for yourself, like, uh, you know, just trying to work through that. I mean, yeah, immediately you, sports psychology, you immediately think of the athletes and the coaches and um, the organizations and the parents involved with the, the sport and athletes. But like I said earlier, it's any any type of performer, really. Um, and yeah, I mean, yes, we're looking to help the individual reach the optimal level of performance, whatever that looks like for mm -hmm. them. But at the end of the day, I mean, if the individual I'm individual athlete I'm working with, if they feel better about themselves, if they feel better about what they're doing, I feel like I've done my job and yeah, I'll keep working with them to get them to that level and um, having them hit that level consistently. Yeah, I, that's, I mean, that's how I look at it. All right, cool. 
so I've already explained my background, both to you and the listeners, in terms of how I got to sports psychology, the whole thing about how sports was an important part of me growing up and my development and combining that with psychology. I know it's cliche for a lot of people in the field on how they, on how they got involved, but how did you get to sports psychology? Wow, loaded question. How much time you got? I mean, you're the guest, so <laughs> however much you feel. Wow, okay. Um, well, yeah, growing up, I played uh, a lot of different sports, soccer, basketball, ice hockey, um, volleyball in school, flag football in school. I mean, you name it, I played it. Um, I can remember being very young, probably like five or six, and for years I begged my parents to put me in some type of organized sport, especially mm -hmm. team sport. And I didn't even care what it was. I just wanted I just wanted to be on a team because I saw all my friends at school, they were part of like hockey teams and soccer teams and whatnot. And I'm like just hanging out here by myself, playing sports at recess and just wanted to be a part of the team. And then I, I eventually my parents gave in and so around nine years old they put me um, they signed me up for soccer, which was really cool because I have an older cousin who I really looked up to, and she was a soccer player and was very successful. And um, that kind of like opened the floodgates, I guess. Mm -hmm. So they signed me up for soccer, and then I think uh, very quickly I made the competitive team. Well, competitive started around that age back then. So, okay. um, and then after that, I started playing basketball, and then again made the competitive team. And then after that, all of my friends were playing ice hockey, and I always wanted to play ice hockey, but my dad didn't let me, even though he played hockey. Another story we can get into another time. <laughs> um, but then he eventually let, let me play, so then I was playing ice hockey, and then of course, pretty much all the sports at school, I joined, and yes, I sports, and like you alluded to before, music um, have been huge parts of my life. Um, and I was a very high level soccer player. And I uh, started playing for one of the best teams in the province. For your listeners, I was born and raised in um, Ontario, Canada. Thank you, I was waiting for that because you mentioned, you kept on mentioning hockey. And... Ice hockey, yes. <laughs> Yes, we're born with ice skates on our feet, whether they're figure skaters, skating ice skates, or hockey skates. Um, where was I going with that? Oh yeah, so um, I started playing for a club soccer team that was one of the best, if not the best in the province, and one of the best, if not the best, in the country. Um, and that's when like, I started thinking that, oh wow, like I'm kind of, kind of good at this soccer thing, so maybe I can take it somewhere. And that's, I remember that's when like, the pressure of performing well kind mm -hmm. of started. So that, that was probably around 13, 14 years old because around that time we did regional teams, provincial teams, um, national training center teams. So that was like uh, basically a pool of players that the national team can pick from and then you go to camps and whatnot. Um, so I was playing this with this amazing team with this uh, under this amazing coaching staff and like I said, pressure to perform game in and game out, and not just in games, but in practice too. Oh. Yeah, was was huge. And then, again, making those regional teams and provincial teams, and then eventually uh, 
I was selected for the national training pool for a little while, which was crazy, insane. And um, at one point, I think I was playing soccer eight times a week. Um, and I remember, like, that was in 11th grade. Oh, wow. Was it 11th grade? Yeah. So I was really, <laughs> I was really busy. <laughs> and it was hard. It's, it's hard to make sure you're getting good grades and, like, performing at an elite level mm-hmm. when you're 16, 17 years old. Um, and then also, you know, trying to play soccer in college and then also, you know, trying to play at the top level you can and see how far you can take it. Um, and I remember one time and I can't even remember like specifically what was going on, but I remember my mother being like, do you need to see a sports psychologist? Oh, so she already knew. Well, I mean, nobody really knew. knew. Well, I mean, nobody really knew. Well, I didn't really know of sports psychologists back then. And Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone I know went to a sports psychologist. It was kind of, it was very taboo. Right. And like stigma, right? Mm -hmm. Surrounding the word of psychologist or psychology, right? There still kind of is a little bit of Exactly, exactly. And the way my mom kind of like said it to me, she was trying to be supportive, but also it sounded a little bit like a threat. Mm -hmm. And to understand that again, Another conversation for another day. You'd have to understand my mother. <laughs> Love you, mom. Um, but she was trying to like help me, but at the same time, made it sound scary. So I was like, no, no, no. I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't have okay. to see a sports psychologist. No, 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 no. But of course, I probably did. I didn't know that <laughs> until years later, and I reflected upon it. Um, and then the next time, I guess, sports psychology like came up in my life was during. Um, university soccer and as a again high level player playing in college well we call it university but I'll just say college (laughs) playing in college um, whatever you're used to Sam whatever you're used to yeah I mean high pressure situations all the time season's really short again played on a really awesome team went to provincials and nationals and whatnot whatnot Um, I definitely needed to see a sports psychologist when I was playing university soccer, especially towards the end of my career. Because um, again, reflecting ref- reflecting back years afterwards, my entire life leading up to my university career was devoted to sport. And then eventually it was soccer and trying to be the best I can at soccer. And near the end of my university career, I realized that that was ending. Right. Which was very scary. And I had no idea what was coming next. I had no idea, like, what I wanted to do with my life. And I broke down. During my senior year, I had to step away from the team, which, I like, was horrifying. And I was the, cap- I was the captain of the team for the last three years. Oh. So for me to come in and be like, hey, I, need- I can't do this right now. I need to step away. At first, I thought I wouldn't be able to play the entire season, um, but it, I think it was for like two or three weeks, and luckily, the coaching staff was very supportive and allowed me to do that, um, but I was I was not in a very good place. Mm-hmm. Um, I started seeing, um, a I guess, a student therapist, so at uh, York University, they have a very good psychology program, and... Um, so I guess the students in training are at the, psych- uh, I can't even remember what the center is called, but you go and 
um, sign up, and then it's basically you know going to therapy every week. Right. Um, and it was great. I was able to like, you know, talk through my ish um, with this person. Um, however, the one part that I wish um, she had been that would have been more helpful is if she had known more about sport. Right. Right? Because a lot of my stress and a lot of my anguish and a lot of everything that I was going through had to do with my sport career ending and what was happening during my soccer season. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, and then so I guess a year or two after that all that happened, I was like, wow, um, that sucked. And then again, reflecting back to when I was a teenager and all like all the stress pressure I endured, I'm like, man, if I went through that, I'm sure there's like other people, other athletes who go through that too, and that really sucked. So I want to be a person for them mm-hmm. that they can come to and like uh, when they need help or whatever, and um, and be that person that wasn't there for me right. or somebody that I didn't seek out but probably should have and then you know bring more awareness to um and maybe like find out a little bit more about um athletic transition so when athletes finish their career and like what's that all about and what what goes on there so that's what i did my thesis on uh female collegiate athlete transition of sport Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's that was my journey that's how i got into (laughs) sports psychology (laughs) And so, from going from a from almost a threat to now, you wanting to be more open and being the person who you wish was available to you when you're an athlete, how do you go about about reconciling that and making it so that athletes can feel comfortable going to you? Because you may not know what they're going through exactly, but you were yeah. an athlete, so you have similar experiences, and yeah. you realize that a lot of this stuff does go unspoken. So, how do you go about reconciling that? Um, education. Probably. Um, and again, every every person's going through their own thing, so it's not like I can address every single thing. Right. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, like, for me anyway, mm-hmm. if you're an athlete, you have your coach who's supporting you and trying to help you become the best that you can be, right? Depending on, like, what sport you play, that coach might have uh, 16 other players on the team that they're doing the same thing for, or if it's an individual sport, there's probably a few other athletes within the team, right? Right. So, and then, of course, with the coach um, can make decisions about how your career unfolds, mm-hmm. playing time, whatnot. What. Um, and then your parents or your family are your parents and your family, and it's hard for them to, they're going to they're gonna support you and they're going to love you and um, hope um, but it was really hard for me, for my parents to try and talk me down sometimes and try to say the things that, um, I needed to hear because again, they're my parents. They're supposed to be saying those things and right. they're supposed to, you know, so like, how do I know if it's true? Um, whereas like a sports psychologist or a mental performance coach, they're completely neutral, unbiased, mm-hmm. Right, um, 
it's a neutral person to come and, and talk to because maybe you have to talk about your parents and how they're driving you crazy. <laughs> maybe you have to talk about your coach and how they're adding more stress to your life. And you can't do that with either of those people. Right. Um, and I think one example, too, that, again, also got me into sports psychology was uh, my middle, middle school phys ed teacher. I was freaking out about cross-country and track races um, for months leading up to it. And she just, again, my parents would just try to sit, like say things to try and help me. And I'd like look at them and be like, why? Why are you saying that? Like, that doesn't make any sense. And then my middle school phys ed teacher would pretty much say the same thing, but just in a different <laughs> way. And I'd be like, oh my God, like, yes, I needed that. Thank you. Um, yeah, so I guess that piece. So the education and you know, letting athletes know, like, I'm, like, I'm here for you, and I'm this neutral person that you can come talk to, and, and, um, we can, you know, work through things together. Yeah, so, a lot of it isn't from, not exactly just the content of what's being said, but also who it's coming from, too, because it's obviously a lot harder to think, to hear things from your parents, especially when they're the ones who are stressing you out, uh, but, I'm going to circle back a little bit. You mentioned how you had an extensive soccer career. You work in soccer now. What are some other sports that you've worked with? You don't have to say whether it was good or bad. Just what other sports have you had experience with? Oh, like uh, with mental skills or mental performance? Um, Soccer, soccer, soccer. And um, tennis. Tennis was very interesting. Okay, so you, you mentioned briefly that there's a different dynamic in terms of individual versus team sports. And so... When you think about individual sports, the first thing that comes to mind, and obviously I'm biased, uh, is tennis. So what was that like, going from kind of a soccer mindset to working with tennis? Um, it was interesting. Again, it's uh, they're completely different. Um, completely different mindsets too. When you're when you're a part of the team, when you're a part of a team and you're working together to achieve something. You have people around you to support you. You have people around you to pick you up. You have people around you to help you out when you make a mistake. Um, but tennis players or individual sport athletes, they don't. Like, it's all on them if they make a mistake. Like, it's not like somebody's going to be behind them, like, swinging a tennis racket to help them get the ball <laughs> that they just missed. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... They're on blast, pretty much. Any mistake they make is completely magnified. It's just, I mean, like, yeah. I was going to use a Serena Williams example, but I'm going to not. But what I'm, what I'm saying is, like, individual sport athletes' mindset is completely different than if you are playing a team sport. Right. So as a mental performance coach or a sports psychologist, the way you work with them looks a little bit different, I guess. All right, and so I don't want to get too much into specifics, and same with this follow-up question, but obviously you want to meet the athletes where they're at, and every athlete has different circumstances or things that they want to work on, but just from your experience, what are some of the common things that you've been working on athletes with, or what do you like to work with your athletes on? Uh, confidence, holy, holy moly. I mean, that's, I think that's across the board, um, individual athletes or team sport athletes, confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. And it also ties into, um, 
like energy management. So like uh, in the sports psych world, we call it arousal level. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like to use energy management. Um, so whether you know they're getting really nervous or anxious about performing, or if they're not getting, um, if they're not excited enough to perform, like maybe they're not into it that day, or right. maybe you know they're burning out or whatever. Um, those two things for me really tie into each other, right? So if you're not confident, you're probably gonna be really nervous, right? Or if you're really nervous, you're probably not gonna be confident, right? So those two things are probably the biggest two that I work on a lot with athletes currently. Um, occasionally, a little bit of focus, especially with the younger ones. That's that's kind of bigger with the younger ones. Um, yeah, but a lot of it is confidence and the anxiousness. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we'll start winding down a little bit. Uh, in terms of sports psychology, what's one thing that you want everyone to know, or just like what's your take-home message from from all this? Because there's a lot that we haven't even covered. Like we, this yeah. is only scratching the surface Absolutely. of what sports psychology mm-hmm. is. But if you could not just give one sentence, but what's your take-home message for anyone listening to this who may may be hearing about sports psychology for the first time? You know, like like channel back to 13-year-old Sam who didn't know what sports psychology was either. Like, what would you tell her now? Yeah, absolutely. I would tell her that um, working on your mental game does not make you weak. It makes you strong. Right? <laughs> nice and to the point. Uh, he, this is how you can tell that she's in, been in the field for a while because for me, I would not be that efficient yet. Uh, but anyway, Sam, where can they find you on social media or... If you if they want you if you want them to or whatever. Um, on social media, I I don't have a, a specific sport like social media handle yet. Well, on Twitter, I think it's um uh twelve sports Sam. Yeah, I'll have to double check that because I haven't used Twitter in a while. Yeah, on Instagram, I have a, a soccer coach page because I also coach soccer. That's twelve coach Sam. Yeah, and then also if you want to check it out, but um, I'm also starting up a organization for female athletes called Female Athletes in Training, and on Instagram that's one two fate, so one two f a i t. Yeah. All right, so I'll be sure to include those in the description. But I want to thank you again, Sam, for being on this and talking about sports psychology. And to you, thank you for listening to this edition of the Fifty Five Podcast. If there are ever any topics that you want Andrew or me to discuss, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram, at 55 Podcasts. Just click the button at the top that says put it in park, write your topic where it says send message, and let us know what you want to hear. You can find me on Instagram, at Kenneth underscore Camaclang, where for the past week, I've pretty much just been watching Alexander Ovechkin highlights. You can also find more information at KennethCamaclang.com. And don't forget to subscribe and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And you will be back next week, and we will talk to you then.